Okay, well, good morning. <clears throat> Today's message is going to be maybe a little out of the ordinary, if you will, or the norm is maybe a better way to put it. We're going to speak on Memorial Day, for obvious reasons, and uh, make some biblical references to it, but just as importantly, I guess, talk a little bit about the significance of it. You know, probably most of you know what, or have some idea, if you will, of what Memorial Day is, you know, a time to remember fallen soldiers, whether it means trips to the cemetery, what have you. So we're going to talk a little bit about that this morning. Um, <clears throat> if I could get, uh, excuse me, somebody to open our time in prayer though quick, that'd be great. Just to commit this time to the Lord and then we'll start our message for the day. Thank you. Well, this is something many of you may not know, but I'm, or at least I would consider myself a bit of a patriot. <clears throat> Meaning this subject is something that's really dear to my heart. So for me to speak about our country and God and what he's done and our heritage, etc., is easy for me. We were meeting, the men's group was meeting the other day, and you know, we said, hey, what's the subject going to be? And I said, well, it's Memorial Day. You know, and I think our church could do a better job of talking about things like this. It's important, right? It's what part of what... God has made, etc. So uh, it was easy for me to step forward and say, I'd love to talk about Memorial Day. So that's what we're going to do. I'm going to read you quick, um, oh, just a little transcript of someone here. And here's how it goes. This weekend, I'm going to do something different. I'm going to buy some, <clears throat> some carnations each day and go to one of the nearby cemeteries and walk through the sections for soldiers. When I find a grave that has no flowers, I'll leave one and say a prayer for the family of that person who for some reason could not bring their soldier flowers. I will pray for our country and all who serve or have served, for their families who also serve by losing precious days, weeks, and months spent with their loved ones who are off serving, preserving peace and the freedom we have in this country. I'll pray for the families who paid the ultimate price, whose loved ones died or were taken captive and never returned. I'll pray for anyone who may still be held in captivity and thinks perhaps they are forgotten. I do not forget. Thank you, Sylvia Moore, and God bless. Another little tidbit I found with this is nothing is ever free, though to you it be somewhere, somehow, someone paid. And a little bit here, we're going to celebrate that again, or at least remember that, won't we? That's our time of remembrance, if you will, of who our Savior paid the ultimate price for us and who daily, hopefully, every minute by minute, we're remembering who we are because of who he was and what he did for us. I'm just going to open our time with one quick verse here, and that's from John 15. 
John 15:13. And that verse is, Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. So as I shared, it's a day to uh, commemorate U.S. soldiers who died in U.S. Uh, military service. But it's interesting in that this, the history of Memorial Day is that it really was first uh, celebrated in 1865 by liberated slaves at the site of a Confederate prison, a uh, prison camp where they'd done a, just a mass grave for Union soldiers. <clears throat> by that I mean they just had taken all these Union soldiers and there were lots of casualties, lots of deaths in the, in the Civil War, and just for logistics, ease, etc., placed all these soldiers in a mass grave. Well, these liberated slaves, freedom, as you know, was very precious to them, wasn't it? They were on the other side of that fence for many years, so freedom to them, they could appreciate that. So after the North's victory, these freed slave, liberated slaves went back to this mass grave, dug up all these Union soldiers, and gave each one of them an individual grave and placed flowers on each individual grave. And just think for a moment the significance of that. I mean, granted, it was a logistical, what would that have been like, digging up a mass grave with soldiers, but two, what would your heart have to have been? You know, what would the feeling have been in your heart to appreciate it for a minute, try to realize what that, that moment must have been like to just one at a time, a mass grave of Union soldiers, made sure that each had a proper burial and then place flowers on their grave. Um, <clears throat> another reason it was easy for me to speak on this topic this morning, not that I'm an expert on it, but I just have a real heart, I guess, for making sure that our Christian heritage is remembered, that it's passed on, that it's not something we take for granted, because what happens not very long down the road, you know, the Bible speaks about that, how heritage can be, how it can be lost through a family, etc., so I think it is important. It's important for us to be mindful of praying for our leaders, God, and our country, what he's going to do for them for wisdom, um, safety for our soldiers, those type of things. The daily, that's one of the top priorities on my prayer list every day, is praying for our government leaders, wisdom for them, safety for our soldiers. And I just encourage you to do the same thing. Um, several years ago, well, it's, you know, it's been quite a few years ago, Promise Keepers had the uh, stand in the gap and what they had was probably a million guys. I was one of them, went to Washington, D.C. And it was a Promise Keepers movement. And the purpose of that was to gather a bunch of men for spiritual reasons to, as God said, stand in the gap. And while I was there, I had a chance to view the Fallen Soldiers Memorial, which, any, anybody been there? Seen at the big wall? There's just thousands and thousands of names on it. You can't really appreciate that unless you've been there. I mean, I could tell you about it. I could show you a video about it. Many of you have probably even seen that. But unless you've been there and stand next to people who are weeping over loved ones, it's very real to them. It was just a very moving moment. Okay, um, let's go to Joshua 4 also, if you would, please. Joshua 4, we're going to start in verse uh, 1. I'm sorry, yeah, Joshua 4, verse 1. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among the people, one from each tribe, 
and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priest stood, and to carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you what do these stones mean, tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. So the Israelites did as Joshua commanded them. They took 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, according to the number of tribes of the Israelites, as the Lord had told Joshua, and they carried them over with them to their camp where they put them down. Joshua set up the 12 stones that had been in the middle of the Jordan at the spot where the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant had stood, and they are there to this day. And then if you'd skip down to verse 21, that same chapter, He said to the Israelites, In the future, when your descendants ask your fathers, What do these stones mean? Tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan just what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. He did this so that all the people of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful so that you might always fear the Lord your God. So I don't want to take our message out of context this morning. You know, obviously we're not referring today to God's chosen people in this message. You know, it's a broader context than that, if you will. Here we're more specific, 12 tribes of Israel and God's chosen people. So our context is a bit broader, but we see even back in this time, the significance that God placed on a memorial of making this real to people, um, there was a reason why people did uh, daily sacrifices, right? wasn't that God felt they had idle time and he just thought this would be a way to fill it. You know, it was a daily reminder of them of their need to continually sacrifice for their sins, etc., right? As was this. You know, he made it clear here. Here's, what, here's the significance of this down the road. When people ask, what are these 12 stones here, Grandpa? Well, let me tell you, son. Here's what happened. The Lord your God did what? Dried up the Jordan River just like he did the Red Sea. That's the significance of the Lord your God, and that's why it's important for you to remember that. All right, I'm going <clears> to <throat> cite a few facts for you on Memorial Day quick, too. I'm sorry, not just Memorial Day, but the war in general. In 80 months of the Revolutionary War, there were 10,623 casualties, 4,435 deaths, or about 55 Americans dying each month of the war. In 37 months of the Korean War, there were 136,935 casualties, 33,653 deaths, or about 909 Americans dying in combat each month of that war. In the 90 months of the Vietnam War, there were 211,471 casualties, 47,369 deaths, or about 526 Americans dying in combat each month. In one month of the Gulf War, Remember, that's the one that was a while ago, not the current. Uh, 760 casualties, 293 deaths, or 148 Americans dying in combat every month of the war. 
And in 14 months of fighting in Iraq, there have been 4,685 casualties, 803 deaths, or 57 Americans dying each month of the war. If you view it in this perspective, that's a lot of people. Whether it's someone you know, someone who's close to you, neighbor, friend, relative, what have you, it's a lot of people who would show up at a memorial like the Fallen Soldier Memorial who are grieving, right? It's very real to them. It's not just something they read about in a book or someone told them their friend or neighbor died. It's very real to them. Many of those people are not Christians. So knowing this, it's something I think we need to keep on our radar screen as Christians, be mindful of that. How can I reach out to these people? How can I make a difference? Because it, this is very real to them. And one last <clears throat> statistic here on that one is in 48 months of World War II, there were 1,078,162 American casualties, 407,316,000 dead, or 6,639 Americans dying in combat each month of that war. So staggering numbers and recriminations even during the war at home from the politicians and press were relentless. Many can remember, you know, seldom do we get favorable responses to what our military has done, people providing you the freedom we have so I can stand here today and talk to you about spiritual things. We typically don't get a positive bent from them. But Americans in the field never faltered. Even after 19,000 American troops died at the Battle of the Balls in December of 1944, or the 13,000 that died, most in hand-to-hand -hand combat, taking Okinawa, the Americans persevered. Their courage and sacrifice knew no bounds. And under a steadfast commander-in-chief, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, and his generals, Eisenhower, Bradley, MacArthur, Patton, we would have victory. This is one little piece I, I found very interesting. And we all know, and the world well knows, even the French cannot connect, cannot forget, that without our contribution to the war, civilization as we know it would not have survived. At a cocktail in Washington less than a year ago in the middle of dipl diplomatic haggling over Iraq, as an American congressman said to a high-ranking French diplomat who was, in a sophisticated and French way, criticizing American policy in Iraq for being self-interested. Congressman said to him, do you speak German? And the Frenchman, rather taken back by that, said, well, no, of course not. And a response from the congressman was, you're welcome. I thought that was very fitting because the French wouldn't have survived in this war without us, nor would any of the other countries. And to say, you know, we can't look into our, uh, our crystal ball here and say what the future might have looked like, but the world would probably look very differently today were it not for our intervention in that war there. It's also interesting to note, though, it's amazing what free men can do once they decide to act. And it's something, again, if this is something very real to you, close to you, you can appreciate what I'm saying, then I don't have to try to impart that to you. But if it's something kind of distant to you, it's a different story. And there are many people out there who it is. It's very real to them. So I think it's important, again, for us to be mindful that as Christians, what does this look like? Just as the, you know, the Pittmans right now for the last nine months, or as long as they've known about this situation with their son, is very real to them day to day. We prayed earnestly for them, concerned. Those of us close to them were maybe even a little more. But for them to live it day to day, it was very much. Same thing with the soldiers or the 
families of these soldiers. Very fitting that we would take a time to um, remember them. <clears throat> okay, ten interesting facts about Christianity in the Civil War. Number one, major revivals broke out in the Civil War armies. In the Union Army, between 100 and 200,000 soldiers were converted. Among Confederate forces, approximately 150,000 troops were converted to Christ. Perhaps 10% of all Civil War soldiers experienced conversions during the conflict. Abraham Lincoln, though he knew the Bible thoroughly and spoke often of an almighty God, was never baptized and was the only United States president never to join a church. Before the Civil War, it was rare to find chaplains in American armies. During the war, they earned a lasting peace, a lasting place. Constitution of the Confederate States of America specifically invoked Almighty God, unlike the U.S. Constitution, and further, the Confederate Constitution prohibited the foreign slave trade. Millions of tracts were distributed to soldiers during the war. Average price was around 1,500 tracts for one dollar. The U.S. Christian Commission alone distributed 30 million tracts, including many through a young agent named D.L. Moody. Christians who opposed the war on religious grounds were often persecuted. The brethren eventually were allowed to be exempted from military service if they paid $500, but most suffered for their stance. For example, John Klein, moderator of the Brethren Annual Meeting, became distrusted because he provided medical aid to soldiers from both armies. Once he was jailed for two weeks without cause, and in June 1864, he was ambushed and murdered. Blacks were not allowed to serve as chaplains or soldiers until 1863. Then it was 14 black chaplains served U.S. regiments. One of the best known was H.M. Turner, whose preaching had drawn congressmen to hear him. He was known as the Negro Spurgeon. Abraham Lincoln was the first president to use the phrase, this nation under God. It inspired President Eisenhower in 1954 to add the words, one nation under God to the Pledge of Allegiance. Many Civil War generals stood so committed to observing the Sabbath that it influenced their military operations. Stonewall Jackson would fight only more ordinary battles on Sunday, and William Rosecrans refused to pursue a fleeing enemy force on a Sabbath day. Other generals attributed defeats to the fact that they had violated the Sabbath by fighting on that day. And many preachers, especially in the North, felt that through the war the final glorious reign of God would begin. Both sides thought the war was, would be over in three months. Instead, it lasted, as we know, four years, until 364,511 Union and approximately 260,000 Confederate soldiers lay dead from bullets and disease. More Americans died in the Civil War than died in all the other American wars combined. And then if we could go to 1 Timothy, uh, chapter 2. And starting at verse 1. I urge then, first of all, that request, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior, 
who wants all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. And I share that with you today, again, just to reiterate and reinforce how important it is to be praying for our government leaders, for our country, for the safety of those who are defending our freedom, etc. Because I've heard different responses from people, you know, it seems like such a minute deal for me to pray for this, like a drop in the bucket, if you will. And if that's our attitude, very quickly, as Christians, we could all shrink back and nobody's praying, right? So it's, it's easy. I would encourage you to join with me. Make it a part of your daily prayer routine to, uh, to pray for our country, for God's healing our land. You know, the reality of that is there is a certain God has a plan in mind, right? The end times are going to come regardless, and a certain series of events are going to occur for that regardless. We can't pray that down. But yet God has commanded us to Pray, right? Pray for our country. Pray for our leaders as we read here. I once had a, who I considered a very wise spiritual mentor, uh, I said to him, yeah, I'm praying that it doesn't rain tomorrow. You know, I have this really important thing going on. It's just really important. It's just a big deal that it doesn't rain tomorrow. And he said to me, so you really believe God's not going to make it rain because of your prayer? And being a naive young Christian, I said to him, and you don't. And looking back now, and I'm not bragging, but I just felt there was more wisdom in the belief that, and you don't, what do you mean? Of course I do. Of course I believe God's going to answer that prayer. Why would I offer that prayer if I didn't? So the same thing, I guess, for our country. You know, if you're thinking, mine is such a drop in the bucket. Have you looked in the paper lately, Dan, to see where our culture is going? Yes, I have. But... uh, I guess I, I really like the adage of if I knew the world were going to end tomorrow, I would still plant a tree today, right? Because it's the right thing to do. And it is, and I believe God would be honored by doing that. That um, It's just a way of showing our gratitude, our appreciation, I guess, for those who have served for us, who paid the ultimate price, so that we can be here and enjoy the freedom we have of sharing Christ together in a country where we still love him, you know, our Christian heritage. You can say what's happening to it and so on. But again, does that mean we walk around defeated and the Christians all say, let's forget about it? You know, what does it take for evil to prevail? Good men to do nothing, right? Good men to do nothing. Yes? more people. 
Very good. Thank you. And if you're wondering, you know, gee, it seems there's such a global perspective on prayer. I mean, yeah, I can pray for our leaders and wisdom and safety for our soldiers, etc. But I guess I would take what you hear in the news and turn it from a positive bent. Right now, as you know, President Obama just met with Netanyahu on peace agreement for Israel. Ongoing saga. I mean, we can go back thousands of years, what's been happening with war and so on there. And what different leaders have said, well, just give up more of God's chosen land and that'll solve it, right? Of course it won't. You know, we read it right here that that's not the case. So there's something very specific you can pray for. Would God want America to turn our back on Israel, his chosen people? Have we, in fact, uh, received blessing because of our stand with them? Would we want uh, Israel to compromise when God has suggested otherwise. You're my chosen people, and I've given you specific references on how I like that country to look. There's a very specific instance for you to pray for, for Israel. So I just wonder if we could just, a few of us, I know we're kind of running on time here, but a few of us maybe wouldn't just pray this morning for the significance of some of the things we talked about here, whether it's praise for what God has done, prayers for the things we talked about, and just, uh, again, remembering the soldiers and their families who uh, have paid the ultimate price for us.